you just need to press the little Hi. button. <laughs> there you are. Hi. Okay. <laughs> I'm so happy to get to talk with you. Oh, and there's the babies. Can you see them? I can see them. Oh my god, hot dogs. Little dog yeah, sons. Oh, I love them. Dogs. Oh, I, I just want to snuggle. Oh, they're so cute. <laughs> so I was reading through your um the form you filled out, and it's like those moments where you're like looking at someone's Pinterest board, you're like, why aren't we friends already? <laughs> <laughs> but you did start yeah I felt that way a lot with like people I've met online or like my physical therapist I'm like can we just be friends is that okay <laughs> oh my gosh Corey I know you're listening to this and you know that's how I feel about you um <laughs> it, well I mean gosh when we're sick like this how else do we get to talk to people like yeah exactly this is kind of the only <laughs> social interaction <laughs> online or physical therapy you right. <laughs> have, like, the only disorder I've never heard of so far. Like, all the ones that people have, like, sent to me, I'm like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. I, I have, you said Nutcracker Syndrome, and I went into, like, post-traumatic stress from, like, my ballet days. So you're going to have to oh. give me, like, an explanation. <laughs> Not that Nutcracker. <laughs> <laughs> so what? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, it is a very rare disorder. It's so rare that there's not even, like, a prevalence in the population. Um, and of course that made it very difficult to find doctors who knew what it was and get treatment. Uh, you know, a girl wants to be unique, but like not really in the <laughs> medical form. When you say you want something named after you, you never mean a disease or disorder, like ever. No, that's not really what I was saying. <laughs> Notoriety should not come like that. Yeah. And I think people think I'm making it up sometime. I'm like, no, 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 it's, it's a real thing. That's actually, is that like the nickname for it? No, like that's legitimately what it's called. Nutcracker syndrome. And you sometime. know, every gentleman who is listening to this has just crossed his legs. <laughs> so what, I have like no visual. I actually went on to the NHS. I went on to the different medical blogs just to do a little research before we talked. And I was more confused after reading those than I was when I started, so I need a rundown. What is this? Sure. <laughs> so for me, there's two different types of it. Um, one is anterior and one is posterior, so like more in the front of the body versus the back. For me, it was anterior, so my renal vein, so like pretend that my hand is my kidney and my finger is the vein that comes out of it. Um, it should be filtering blood and taking blood out back into your body. Uh, you have your aorta, a really big artery in your body, and a smaller one, superior mesenteric artery, and they should be open, like 70 to 90 degrees. Yeah. Mine pushed. The angle was less than 20% and was squeezing the crap out of my renal veins. So <laughs> no! Nutcracker syndrome. So it's kind of like a nut being squished in a nutcracker. So the as everyone who's listening to this, go to our YouTube channel. You can watch this whole thing go. But literally, nutcracker, like here's the right. the vein that you described this incredibly well. I hope that like doctors are using you to come in and like explain <laughs> this. This is like, yeah, there, there's the vein. And then the two main veins that are for everything are squeezing the what should be waste coming out of your kidney, right? Did I get that? Uh, not waste. It's the what's been filtered, your blood going ah, back into you. Okay, body. so it's not the, the going in, it's the going out. Right, right. That sounds like there are a lot of problems with that. Like, yeah. so many. <laughs> Can you describe <laughs> what, what you experienced with this? 
Uh, my main symptom was pain. It was a lot, a lot of pain in uh, the flank area. So like the left kind of wraps around the front a little bit under the rib area hurts a lot, um, wraps around to the side and then it wraps around to the back of where the kidney is. So for me, not only was that horrible, but it was also super scary because I only have one kidney. Oh, it can only happen on the left side based off of your anatomy. It's just like an anatomical deficiency or defect. Um, and that's the only side that I had a kidney. Sorry, I'm so dying over I your dogs. They're so adorable. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is that laughing sound? I know that's not in my room. <laughs> yeah, the one gets nervous and then licks the other one to comfort him. <laughs> I am all there for dog OCD behaviors. That's adorable. And uh, of course, since I've been sick and home a lot, I feel like they've gotten worse. Like they have to be with me and they have to protect me all the time, which is annoying because I live in a busy town and we have construction going on. <laughs> so they're like constantly bark, 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 bark. I'm like, it's okay, guys. It's, uh, we're paying a lot of money for these men to be at our house. So can you please leave them alone? <laughs> I, I'm just dying over how similar our worlds are right now. I have them, um, except mine are small and adorable. I have one small and adorable, and I have one that I call the wolf, and he's yeah. 100 pounds, but he acts just like that. Yeah, he thinks he's a lap dog. He is absolutely certain if the pug gets to be on our laps, he does too. Mm -hmm. That yeah, is absolute decision. Start. <laughs> I'm so sorry I got us off track again. They fit into their little dog bed, and it's adorable, this big dog trying to swirl up into a little bed and like, no, nah, it doesn't really work for you, buddy, but not, sure. Not so much, but good try. <laughs> so you're describing, okay, first off, one kidney. I'm guessing there was something else that happened unless my anatomy remembrance is just about <laughs> as bad as I think it is. Everybody should have two. Okay, just want to make sure. <laughs> Usually around the back, kind of on either side of the spine, um, and then smaller than your fist. When I was a baby, my right one just wasn't formed. It was kind of more just like a mass of cells. Um, it wasn't necessarily causing problems, but just as like a precaution, the doctors decided to take it out. Um, so I was about a week old, somewhere around there, and I had a right nephrectomy, so had that right kidney removed. And it's funny to see the differences in how they do the surgeries 33 years ago versus now. Um, my removal scars now are like these teeny tiny things. And um, from my other one, it wraps like all the way around my belly button all the way around my back. I'm like, that's that's the way they used to do it. So I, I am a big fan of badass scars. I love the badass scars. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that one uh, is, a, is this huge scar. Although the thing that I don't like about it is I was a baby. So I was like this little tiny thing when I got it. Oh. And now I'm a human grown person <laughs> petite person but person so it kind of just like pinches and makes me look like I have a, like a little fat roll on my right so I'm like cool thanks thanks for that <laughs> there, there's so much to unpack there but I'm gonna get back over to because it, when it's kidney problems which I'm guessing you already recluded into it might be a kidney issue but at that side of the right. body if you are a person with ovaries I found that I got diagnosed with like a lot of things before they're like oh it could be kidney like it was like everything else first and then it was like oh yeah. maybe maybe there's something wrong there did you have right. to go through all the different like it could be it could be or were you already clued in oh yeah this is a kidney problem uh well I, 
with the pain being in that area, my mind immediately went to, oh my God, there's something wrong with my kidney. Um, it's always been very healthy. I've never had any problems with it before. But of course, when you have pain in that area and you already only have one, that was my first thought. Um, so I went to the doctors and they were like, oh, I don't know. And people were like, it could be kidney stones or da 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 da. And the kidney function actually came back fine. But uh, we went to an ultrasound and they said, oh, we see a mass on your kidney. And now that was really scary because I'm like, oh, great. Now I have kidney cancer in my only kidney. I, I just don't think there's anything scarier in a doctor's office than we found a mass. Like, just... It wasn't even in the office. I got a voicemail. No. Like, later <laughs> after. So in the ultrasound, um, I could tell the tech got very serious and I was like yeah they see something but they're not legally like allowed to say anything to you oh the doctor will contact you when the results come in okay great um and then got a voicemail from the doctor so we think we see this abnormality this like mass on your set on your kidney um we'll need to do some further testing okay bye I'm like uh Okay, so now I have to go on with my day, and I was still working at the time, like, all right, freaking out, trying not to cry. Let me go back to work now after I've listened to this horrible email. <laughs> so that was fun, and I'm a teacher, so it's, you know, have to put your game face on and be brave in front of the students and try not to show that anything's wrong or, you know, you're not sick, you're not hurting, and getting information like that was really scary. So it was then into MRIs. In the meantime, it took a while for me to get scheduled for an MRI, even though it was stat, apparently. It still was like multiple weeks. And before those weeks came up, I was in the ER um, twice, actually. So one of those times, I finally got the MRI. And they were like, no, it's not a mass, but you do have some other issues. And you have a thing called nutcracker syndrome. Okay, I just want to take one quick second because we have um, amazing listeners all over the world. We are both in the United States, is that right? Okay, yeah, yeah just that, that's one of the big, like, oh my God, we can't do socialized medicine here in this country because you'd have to wait for an MRI. I just want to be clear, we still wait for our MRIs. Like, that yes. is still a thing. We still have to wait months yeah. for surgery, months for MRIs. It is not that different here, I promise. <laughs> Sorry, right. I just had to, like, put that out there because that's, like, the big question marks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for different listeners, right? Yes, for, uh, I always have to clarify, especially when we talk about, like, co-pays and going bankrupt and, like, right. huge costs for hospitals. Like, there's, you know, other countries where they're like, I, I don't understand. Wait a minute. <laughs> bankrupt over a hospital visit? Like, these are just things right. we just have to quickly clear up real fast. Yes, we're both the United States. We're both talking about the same healthcare system. And, yes, you do wait for a lot of this. Right. And I have the type of stuff. <laughs> There's a love that's like, seriously, please go on our YouTube channel. These dachshunds are so darling. If you're hearing me laugh, I'm not being insensitive. Or I really do promise. It's just they're so cute. And they keep, like, snuggling with each other. And It's like the, the cute Animal Planet movies. And it's just way too happy while we're talking about kidney dysfunction. It's... Well, you to have to put some humor and distraction in, otherwise you'd go crazy with things yes. like Yes! I, I feel like we now need to have, like, Dachshund Hour and Pug Hour on the podcast. <laughs> like, this is this needs to be integrated. So you were a teacher, and I, I was right. a teacher, too, for eight years, and I totally get the, like, I've got to be okay right now. Like, there is no yeah. ability. Like, if I don't function right now, it's going to be much harder on me first. And second, there's right. going to be a lot of upset parents who are wondering why their children are crying. <laughs> like, 
Right. And um, and then I had other symptoms like being really dizzy. And there was a time that I actually passed out at work. Um, it was on my prep period. So fortunately, it wasn't like in front of students or anything. But then again, I also had that moment of like, oh, my God, I'm about to pass out and I'm alone in my room. Nobody's going to know. Oh, so God. I have to get myself outside to the hallway to pass out. So at least the campus monitors would eventually come by and see me. So, yeah, it's a tough profession to not be healthy in. <laughs> Even just like your regular sickness, you know, getting a sub and dealing with sub plans and trying to grade. And all I, I just thinking back, like I was <laughs> pregnant when I was teaching, and I got the like I threw up until I have to get an IV put in, and just like timing the vomiting for when students were in or out of the classroom was a real yeah. thing. Like teachers are the most badass people you will ever meet, <laughs> next to nurses maybe. Like there is just no, there's no stop there. It's you will keep going. Yeah. And things like bathroom breaks, and I was having oh, those, like, issues those? With, like <laughs> feeling like I had to go to the bathroom all the time. So I'd have to like call another teacher in off of their prep. Hi, can you come watch the kids real quick while I stumble down the hall? And yeah, that was that was a mess. <laughs> That's I mean, I, like just the idea of like this survival story of crawling out to the hallway so that you don't pass out alone in a classroom like right yeah yeah that's that just needs a moment for respect <laughs> that's impressive and I, I didn't have a diagnosis right away so there was like two months of me attempting to work through all the pain and all the issues until I had a diagnosis and then even when I had a diagnosis it was like what the heck is this and what do I do about it like literally my ER doctor came in and said, okay, I just talked to the radiologist. He said, you had nutcracker syndrome. And I said, what's that? And he went, ha, ha, ha. yeah, that's what I thought too. And I was like, that's not a good sign. Do you know what this disorder is? Like, oh man, this is not good. And like in a terrible way, I was like, I wish I just, I wish that was cancer. Cause at least people would know what it was and I can get treatment. Now it's just like, sorry, you're in pain and you have this weird thing and I don't know what to do. You are not the only person who says, I wish I had cancer. Like, just in that, like, there is a prognosis, there's a definite form of treatment, usually not for every kind of cancer, but like, right. you at least have, like, if you say, I have cancer, people instantly get the understanding look on their face and then mobilize. Like, you say, I have nutcracker right. syndrome, and you probably get a lot of blank looks with open jaws. Like, right. Or, like, what? what is that? You know, I have to explain it a thousand times. I. <laughs> have to draw pictures or like pull it up on my phone like this is it I, yeah I, I hear you I keep a whole file on my phone just for <laughs> ER visits like okay just let's cut to the chase here's the phone here's everything you need to know about my disorder all right now we can start <laughs> right and bopping around from doctor to doctor to doctor oh, to doctor uh you know oh you have this symptom go to this doctor go to that doctor I don't know what that is. Why are you here? Uh, I guess I could help you with this. Uh, okay, now go back to that doctor. Go to this doctor. I mean, it was months of bopping around. And then in the meantime, painful flare-ups. I went to the ER like five times within a couple of months. Urgent care a couple of times. Like, it was crazy how, how bad it was for a while. My favorite is when you get like the doctor's like, okay, you're going to go see. Like, for me, as a rheumatologist, like, because I dislocate everything. Like, everything and it's like rheumatologist would be good for you so we found the one who said they specialized in other stainless and I walk in and well walk <laughs> I wheel in we had Rolling. yeah we, we rolled <laughs> we rolled in and my poor mom who had to drive me 45 minutes to this appointment and she was so excited because she's like I think we're gonna get real answers like real answers and we sit down the one sits down she's like why are you here 
there's nothing I can do for you. Like, you should know that by now. It's like, oh my God. Like, it's so demoralizing when you're seeing the specialists and it's like, that specialist might not know, even if they say they do. (laughs) They've never heard of it or they maybe heard of it in med school 20 years ago, but they never had a patient with it or they had a a mild version of it. So they didn't actually have to do surgery or. (laughs) Are they like, wow, that's so cool to actually meet one of you. Can I pull on your skin? (laughs) That's fun. So this is a lot of missing work, I'm going to guess, and trying to move through work. And are you eighth grade teacher or I saw science. Uh, I'm high school. High school. school. Oh, God. So you have the kids who actually, (laughs) I'm just thinking like high school is where you can't actually pull your kids out for any amount of time because there's so much that gets packed into each day and (laughs) you having to like hand over reins that often to a substitute. I just, I'm trying to get my head around that. That must've been really hard for you. Yeah. Um, when I think back to it, I was actually having symptoms the whole entire last year, but the first half of the year, they were pretty mild. It was things like, I feel really tired lately. Like, why am I so tired? Oh, maybe it's just like, I'm in my thirties now. Maybe that's just getting older. Um, you know, passing out that one time in the beginning of the year, you know, went to the doctor, ah, people pass out sometimes, you have low blood pressure, da 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 da, chalk it up to this, that, the other thing. Oh, you know, I'm having a low grade fever a lot. Ah, no, it's not that bad, whatever. So there's all these like weird symptoms that I had for months and months and kept working through. And then it was March where it got like, wham, you can't ignore it. It's horrible pain and nausea. And I lost almost 20 pounds within a few months. Um, all kinds of terrible like GI symptoms and things like that. So that's in the spring was when it got really bad and it got to the point where I can't ignore it. Um, I feel like I have a pretty high pain tolerance. Um, and through my life, I've like childhoods and stuff, I've been through stuff. So I feel like I've been pretty tough and pretty good at, you know, just kind of putting a smile on your face and getting through. But when it got to the point of my colleagues, like you're not well, are you? I think we need to call your husband like now and cover your classes in the afternoon and he's going to take you to the ER. When it got that serious, it was like, oh, yeah, you can tell that I'm that sick. Yeah, I guess I do need to go to the ER at this point. It's amazing. Like, we almost need someone to validate it. Like, I at least yeah. I did. Like, I needed someone to go, oh, my God, you're not okay. We need to do something about this before. I was like, I really haven't been trusting my own judgment on if I'm okay or not. Yeah it needed someone else outside to like go validate it because I was so worried about like the normal, like you're so sick and you're feeling, or at least I was feeling so sick and awful and I'd be going in and getting normal test results. And I'm like, I yeah, am they going to die in your office right now. And you're telling me I'm healthy. Like, right. I was so scared right. to spend more money or more time or more, more like heartache of going in and just being told I'm fine when I wasn't. Right. And then uh, because of so much pain, I got put on pain meds and I, I could not survive without them. I, I know some people aren't into it, but I mean, it was the side effect. <laughs> not me, my friend. <laughs> I, was, I mean, I was at a seven, eight, nine pain scale every day flaring up, you know, so I needed it just to get me to like a five or six. Um, and in that case, I couldn't drive to work. So I had a colleague who uh, was fortunate enough that he was 
lived like kind of close to me. So with between him and my husband would like do this crazy thing of, oh, my husband would drive me and put the wheelchair because I couldn't walk that far anymore because I was in so much pain, um, put the wheelchair and cane in the guy's car. And then he would drive me to school because I I work kind of far from where I live. So commuting has been difficult. The joy of California teachers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right there. 45 minutes is like a normal commute for a California teacher. Exactly. So then he would drive me to work and then get me into the wheelchair because then I was uh, on the high school campus is huge. So just getting from the parking lot all the way to my classroom, which is on the second floor in the back of campus, he would have to wheel me and open my science doors, which were heavy that I was too weak to open. And uh, it was just a mess walking around the classroom with a cane and sitting all the time. And I'm not the type of teacher who sits very much. I like to walk around and like, that's part of my classroom management. Um, But I would have to be like, sorry, kids, like, if you have a question, come to my desk. And Oh, I'm hurting too much. I'm going to go sit with my heating pad. Give me a minute. I mean, it was ridiculous, the accommodations I was trying to do just to work through, like, what is wrong with me? Do I need to be out? Do I just take a sick day or is this something more permanent? And And how many sick days do you take? Like... (laughs) there's only so like I'm sorry again we're in the United States there's only so many sick days we get we don't have unlimited sick days just for all of you in France and in Australia and other places that you get actual like you're sick you stay home like if even for cancer teachers will donate their sick days to a teacher who has cancer so they can go get their chemo just saying that's the state of affairs here uh, just I just have to do these little like asides of like really no this yeah. is a real thing here like I promise this is what's happening. Okay, so I want to know from you because it took me forever to admit I needed a cane, and it took me probably yeah. about five years longer than it should have to say okay I need a wheelchair. How did you go about that decision? Um, I think being at the ER so much and like physically not being able to walk down a hall would have to put me in the wheelchair there or even just to a doctor's visit he would pull up to the front and get me in the wheelchair and then he'd go park and then wheel me in um it kind of quickly became that like I could barely even walk you know 10 20 30 feet that I had to have either someone push me in a wheelchair or my sister had a cane already but uh she was getting a little bit better so she was like here borrow my cane (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh thank you sister (laughs) I don't mean to laugh. I just that's a chronic illness families. I swear to you. Right. I could yeah, be in the wheelchair, my son could start stumbling. Stuff, it's like so she knew. Yeah, just oh go ahead, take mine. Go first, I'm passing the torch. <laughs> Absolutely passing the torch, passing the cane, pass the wheelchair. Yes, I hear it. Uh, because wheelchairs are not an inexpensive thing to decide to buy. Like a cane, you can go to Walgreens, you can spend like 30 bucks on it. I know because I bought one in Paris. That was when I made that decision was crying on cobblestones. And uh, when we went to the wheelchair, I was like, oh, that wouldn't be that expensive. Oh, my God. (laughs) It can be. Oh, my God. Yes. (laughs) At first, we rented one because I didn't know like how bad I was and like, what's the prognosis for this? What's my long term? Um, So I was just trying to use the cane. And then we rented a wheelchair. There's a medical supply near my house not too far so my husband helped me get there and rented it for a month and then after having it for a month was like 
yeah, I think it's worth it for us to just buy it. Like, how much is it to rent it every month versus if I just buy one straight out? And honestly, a big thing with me getting it were my dogs, who are now finally snuggling down on my lap. <laughs> We will let the, the dogs in snuggle. <laughs> one of the worst things for me was not being able to go out on walks with my dogs. That was really, really heartbreaking. So I got a wheelchair. I found one on Craigslist. Thanks. Thank goodness for websites like that nowadays. Thank goodness for online shopping. When you're ill, you can't just go out and shop. <laughs> oh, you've covered like about three of my blog posts in like five minutes. <laughs> this is why I read through it. I'm like, oh, we need to be friends. <laughs> yes, friends from afar. Yes. <laughs> So I found a wheelchair, somebody was selling it that was motorized and um, collapsible because I have a small house, so I didn't really have the room for anything too big. So I found one that was uh, had a battery pack and like a little, almost like a joystick to make it move. Yes. So my husband would have the leashes, so my husband and the dogs would walk in front of me, and then I would use the little joystick and go behind them so that I and it hurt like every single bump was like oh well, well but at least I can get outside and out of my bed and out of my house and walk with my dogs which was a really big thing for me I want someone to start a nonprofit, and maybe someone has and it's just not my area of people who will walk your dogs for you if you're sick it's like it's the thing that that never really gets discussed or thought about and it's such a big deal it's like the guilt I feel every time I, I like wheel past my wolf and I'm like yeah I'm sorry, yeah. bud. Like, this is... And I have a, a motorized... I Now, I switched over. I don't know if you guys can see it, but I got... I, I splurged and got the... I didn't splurge. My parents splurged. I got the <laughs> the motorized will because I have to be in this almost all the time now. And it's, um, it's motorized. I can get around the house. I can get out of bed. I can get to the kitchen without, like, falling over. And it's, it's such a big expense, but... It really does change yeah. your life when you can even get outside. <laughs> like, right. Yeah, it gets depressing and lonely, like being in your house all day by yourself. So thank goodness I have the dogs because they've become my lifeline. <laughs> I talk to them maybe a little too much. <laughs> oh, oh. I, friends yes. Yes, that is a big thing. But when you're, um, like when you talked about cancer, I've talked to other people and I certainly felt sway myself where it was like, you almost, or I almost felt uh, jealous of people who are in car accidents or it's just the lower part of their body and that's why they're in the wheelchair because they get count on their upper body so it's like they got to do all the cool wheelchair tricks I totally wanted to be the person like at the skate park with my wheelchair like but that's just not a possibility and also wasn't a definite like I should I should be able to walk to the kitchen it might hurt really badly I might be walking on dislocated limbs but do I really want to spend this much money when I probably could do it with a lot of pain and then you you rent a wheelchair or you use one and you're like, I'm moving without pain. Like that, that might actually be a worth the investment. <laughs> right. Exactly. I know that's, that's a big one. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm, um, I've had treatment and I'm in recovery. So I've gotten to the point where I can walk again, but just not that far. So I haven't used a wheelchair for a few months. Um, then I moved over to a walker. So I've gotten all the devices, I think. <laughs> so then I was using a walker for a while. That was another couple of months. So I bought one of those. Um, and then now I can get around short 
areas without anything. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> like around my house, which is a small one story California house. So that's, I can do that. You know, like around the block, I can do um, anything further though. I still need the, at least the cane because I still get fatigue pretty badly. Wow. So what, what is your treatment? What is the treatment uh, protocol for nutcracker syndrome? <laughs> So after the long haul of diagnosis, um, and then even after diagnosis, I had a bunch of stuff. I had more MRIs, I had CT scans, x-rays, all kinds of testing. Um, I had to do my own research. When you have a rare disorder, you definitely have to be your own advocate. Um, so even in like horrible pain and nausea, luckily I found a Facebook group with people with my disorder. So I heard some stories from them, um, got some ideas. There's a few different options. I'm very fortunate that my disorder does have some treatment. Uh, if you are very mild, they just kind of monitor you, maybe pain meds, uh, a little bit more severe. There's one type of surgery. Um, sometimes they offer stents, but those aren't good in veins because they can migrate really easily. So I opted not for that and didn't want any damage right next to my only kidney, so that wasn't worth it. Uh, so I opted for the most, you know, considered extreme of the options, so it was hard to find a surgeon who would actually agree to it, because they were like, that's a really big surgery. I don't think we should do that. Let's see what else. I'm like, no, no, no. Give them a little time to do their <laughs> research, and then finally, um, they're like, let's do one more scan, which, like, I don't think people who are healthy understand how painful it is and how much of a big deal it is to have to you know, get a ride, drive in the car where it's just painful, get into the building, lie in positions that are very painful. I mean, some of my MRIs and CT scans, I was just like crying and crying and crying during the whole time. Um, a few of them I was nauseous and had to have them pull me out so I could throw up during it. I mean, I, it was horrible. Um, so eventually we got to, all right, we're going to do one more. It's called a venogram, an intravascular ultrasound. We'll see just how bad it is because I was getting a little bit of mixed results on the MRI versus the CT scan. And then with the venogram and intravascular ultrasound, they can actually take images on the inside and take measurements of your blood flow any other veins that have formed, which are called collateral veins, which I had a bunch, and how bad it was. So my renal vein was compressed more than 75%. So very little blood flow was getting through. So my body had created what are called collateral veins. And there were a whole bunch of them, like tree branches wrapping around my spine. So that's why I was having so much back pain, including some of my pain felt like somebody was pouring acid through my veins. So that was a really fun one. I'm just thinking fairy tales are not imaginative enough. Like when they talk about like the girl who turns into a tree or says like the body does way crueler things than people yeah. have ever imagined in stories or myths. It's But it's incredible that my body had adapted because my that is blood incredible. wasn't really getting through my kidney. So fortunately, thank goodness, my kidney function has been fine, but I just had this whole conglomerate of other veins forming around to be able to flow the blood. I was also getting a lot of pelvic congestion because there was a lot of backflow into like the ovarian veins and things like that. Um, so finally with those scans, I went into my second opinion vascular surgeon because the first one was, nope. <laughs> um, so she, when we got the results, she came in and said, thank you for being so persistent and doing your research you were right. And I just started crying. Oh my God, I almost crying for you. 
you you believe me and you're saying that I'm right. And she said, yeah, you do need a referral for this treatment called kidney autotransplant. We can't do it here at my insurance that I had. And we need to get you a referral now. And I just was like crying and crying and crying. And she's like, are you scared for the surgery? I'm like, <laughs> I'm relieved that you believe me and that it is obvious that it's that bad. And I'm finally getting recognition that, yeah, you need to be on the path for this surgery. I mean, you just described every chronic illness happily ever after right there. It's like an actual doctor who can do something and help you just said they believed you and there's something they're going to do to help. Like, you right. know, that's, that's that the Prince Charming and the swelling. <laughs> She couldn't physically help me, but she was humble enough to say, I can't help you, but I will refer you. And that's so, doing well, something. That's actually someone who's like, right. here, there's a point now. Yeah. Yeah. So I had the surgery. So yay, I'm excited for this terrible, awful surgery. <laughs> it's called a renal autotransplant. So I'm sure people have heard of kidney transplants, but usually you are either the donor or the recipient. I was both. Wow. <laughs> okay, I, that's some sci-fi stuff there. I, I need more. That's cool. Yeah. So auto for self. Uh, so the option was to remove my kidney, a healthy portion of the vein and artery. Some of it was just not usable, um, but the portions that were healthy, they could take. And then they reimplanted it. It's now in my pelvis on the right side. They reattached that healthy portion of the artery and vein. They shorten the ureter because now the kidney's not as high up and reattach it to the bladder. And everything, all my anatomy is now in my right pelvis. Okay. Yeah. That's, you are unique and special and very cool. <laughs> wow. If I was ever to get a scan, you would see no kidneys in this spot that kidneys should be. See, I would be so tempted if I went in and I got an intern just to not say anything. Just wait. I know. I've thought about that. Like, I need a kidney scan and just be like, what? Where is it? She has none. I am that mean of a person and I get that bored in hospitals. I, I would have to have a little fun with that. <laughs> so what is your prognosis now? You've had the surgery. What's Is there anything next? Is there an uh, idea of what the recovery will look like? Uh, so I'm about five months out. Um, surgery was very, very, very painful. Recovery has been awful. The f I wound up having a little bit of complications. So I was in the ICU for two days, which was not expected. Um, then I was in the hospital floor, transplant floor for another seven days. So nine days total. Um, and at home, I had to have my mom. She flew out. She's a nurse, luckily, but she's oh, still nice. <laughs> So she had to take some FMLA time, um, the Family Medical Leave Act, and she had to take about three weeks off so she could be with me. My husband had to take time off. He's a teacher, too. So beginning of the school year, September, he had to take time off as well. They were taking turns. One would stay with me in the hospital and one would go home with the dogs. So they were like kind of traded on and off. And then my mom was there for a few more weeks at home. It was awful. Like I could barely move. I was in so much pain. I was so constipated. Um, so my first part of my surgery is kind of like two surgeries in one. I had laparoscopic kidney removal. So I had all like the pressure and the pain from all the air that they add in during the laparoscopic portion. And then putting the kidney back in was open surgery. So I have three, like about one inch incision marks in my 
left side abdomen and then from my belly button down to kind of the pubic area about a four or four and a half inch scar um, that's where they put the kidney back in so I was just in all kinds of abdominal pain they had to you know move organs around to get to stuff so everything is still just like taking its time settling back in my back and my neck are just a wreck um, so the first month or so was just horrible like I would never wish that pain on even my worst enemy. Um, so slowly getting back into things. About two months in, I was able to start going back to physical therapy. So very gentle exercises. Um, I can go on walks, you know, as much as possible. I'm supposed to walk and rebuild my muscles. I have exercises I do at home. And then a couple times a month I go in. Um, fortunately, my insurance did approve me for acupuncture. So I've been able to go in and get acupuncture, a little bit of relief there. And uh, they do cupping while I'm in there. So for especially my back and my neck muscles, that really helps release it. Um, I'm definitely doing a lot better and have a lot more energy, but I still get really tired easily. Um, still need to take a lot of rest breaks. And next month, so at month six, I'm going back to work. Oh my goodness, congratulations. <laughs> so Thank you, but I'm so scared. <laughs> I can imagine. I think that's one of the biggest myths about chronic illness is like one of the first things I always heard was like, oh, you get you get to like not work, you you're on disability, you get time off. And it, it was like this jaw-dropping moment for me where it's like, I understand you might want a vacation, but <laughs> this yeah. is I would do almost this is not a holiday. <laughs> I would do almost anything to work. I mean right. I miss working so bad I started a podcast. Like it's <laughs> I would love to work again. I would love to okay. if I couldn't be a photographer, if I could just be in my wheelchair all the time, I would love to go back to teaching if that was possible. Like those of us who are on disability, most of us would love an opportunity to go back to work. I just want to like put that out there like as a real yeah. clarification. And I've tried so hard doing crazy things just to try to work for two more months than I should have been. It took a neurologist going, oh my God, you're trying to work right now? No, you're not. <laughs> and she went over to her computer at the appointment and said, here's your medical note. You're off for the rest of the year. And I was like, what? Oh God. No, work I have to work I have students you know I don't just have an office job where I can call in like no I have subs and I it's it was very difficult and and teaching is very demanding very you know it takes a lot of energy so you know next month I'm gonna be jumping back into it back, are you going back full or part-time yeah, um, we were trying to work out part time, but logistically and health insurance wise, uh, here, yeah. it's not working. So it has to be full time. Yeah, um, again, for those of us in our national audience, the only way most of us can get insurance is either to be married to someone who has insurance or that we have to work 40 hours a week for a company with more than 35 people, and then they are supposed to provide that insurance. That's the only way we can get insurance. Um, just want to put that out there as a, a little fact check for everyone. <laughs> um, right. Wow. And I not only get insurance for myself, but it's also for my husband. Yeah. So. If so I can't people. get it, then it, both of us are out of insurance. Yeah, and uh, just another little thing to put out there because we're, we've started a big discussion in this country about uh, the ACA and about like whether we could do socialized medicine when there was the new Green Deal brought up and there was a lot of numbers thrown around. And I think a lot of people got confused because they saw how many trillions of dollars it would cost for everyone to have medical care. And those numbers, I want to be really clear, were made from what Americans are charged in hospitals. And I think mm -hmm. 
anyone in Canada or in England, even if you didn't have any care and you went into a hospital, what an MRI would cost you is probably about, I'm going to guess it's less than $1,000, where I, I personally was charged 15000 for my MRI. So, yeah, so it's like when we're getting these numbers of how much it costs for Americans to have this, I just, I mean, I know there's a lot of discussion that needs to happen. I'm not advocating anything except I want everyone to be able to live without the idea that they need to to somehow earn the ability to have medication. <laughs> but right. I am saying that if we're going to have a discussion, we should have real numbers, and those should be numbers that everyone actually pays, not what Americans are not able to bargain. That's just my my soapbox for the minute. I swear I'm getting off of it right now because <laughs> right. I want to find out from you. Um, you've spent a lot of time in bed. You've spent a lot of yeah. time in hospitals. How mm-hmm. did you stay sane? <laughs> <laughs> give, us some, give us some good tips on how you stay sane in a hospital and life horizontal and not in the fun way? <laughs> um, well, a big thing when I'm home is my dogs. So having them near me and I swear they know when I'm having a worse day than others. Like the other day, I, I've, for the most part, I've been getting better, 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 but I still have kind of the like level three, four pain. Um, and the other day it flared up pretty badly. It kind of felt like I was getting stabbed in my kidney area now. Um, and they came right over and laid right on that spot and like put pressure oh. on that spot. I had my heating pad on and they like pressure. I'm like, how do you know? <laughs> but I swear they're a lot more snuggly and know where to go when I'm in pain. So dogs were a big help. Yes. Uh, not feeling as lonely. Um, I've watched most of Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> you know us chronic illness foodies. If you go, have you seen? Yes. All of it twice. <laughs> Uh, Netflix. Any favorite shows like that, that you'd like to recommend for people just getting into the spoony lifestyle? Um, I tend to go for more of like crime shows or dark shows or things like that. So I love me some Criminal Minds. Um, I say that Shamar Moore is my boyfriend. So and my my husband's cool with it. That's my free pass. Um, so Criminal Minds, I've rewatched that I think twice now. <laughs> You gotta visit the boyfriend. I mean, no. Um, More recent shows. Russian Doll was really cool. Oh my god! (laughs) I have to rewatch that now. I watched that all the way through in one day. Oh my god! I was upset. I've loved her since Orange is the New Black, and since they pretty much just went to the cast of Orange is the New Black and said, here, I was in. That was one of the most imaginative, interesting, you could not predict, amazing shows. Yeah, that was a good one. And then Umbrella Academy, I just finished watching. That was a good one. (laughs) Okay, I'm a Are we best friends? Yes! (laughs) Why don't you live in the northern part? I'm from the East Coast, uh, the oh. kind of like Philly area, and I had way too many winters and bad weather, and I decided to save money and pay a lot of money to live in San Diego, where it's warm and sunny most of the time. So <laughs> and it's like today where it's 55, where I'm like, ooh, it's chilly, I need a sweatshirt. Oh, That's yeah, my- I'm so sorry, I heard on the East Coast. I have two co-hosts who are in the East Coast, and I was like sending them a little text going, it's 59 degrees. <laughs> <laughs> So sorry. You guys are snowed in, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, it might rain later today. Oh, what a bad day. Yeah, it's a horrible, horrible. Oh, we had a little bit of frost today. That was uh, apocalyptic out here. Ooh. 
<laughs> and we're up in the Bay Area. Oh my gosh, Umbrella Academy. Um, dear God, I am, I'm a nerd to the nth degree, yes. and I. If it's a graphic novel, I've most likely gone through it, and I loved The Umbrella Academy. So when I suddenly found out it was going to be a show, and uh, it was okay. that good, it was like yeah, it was Tarantino good. 90s with like the whimsy of Wes Anderson, and oh, that was so good. That one yeah. took me two days. <laughs> I think it took my husband and I like a couple of sittings. Not okay, that long, no. this is going to like transfer us over to the other issue of being a spoonie with a significant other or others in some people's cases. Yes, Kiros, I'm talking about you. Um, having Netflix and a show you're watching, which actually distracts you from pain, but you have to wait for the significant other to come yeah. home and be able to watch it. I, I think it's going to end a divorce someday where you're like, no, I, I of course did not watch the whole season. That was a very surprising thing that just happened there. <laughs> Yeah, I've had to have, like, these are my shows that I can watch on my own that, like, you don't really... I also do, like, house shows and, like, renovation shows, and he doesn't really care that much, so I'm like, those are more like my daytime shows, and then when he comes home, like, okay, let's watch Umbrella Academy <laughs> together. <laughs> okay, my biggest, like, platonic crush is, um, oh, Fixer Upper. I adore Chip and Joanna Gaines so oh, yeah, much. Yeah. Like, they are... <laughs> They are what I watch whenever I'm, like, in dealing with, like, any sort of medical thing where it's, like, I can't handle surprises right now. Like, if I'm in the middle of some medical procedure where they let me watch something, it is Fixer Upper. I need to know the entire storyline yeah, and have loveliness. Like <laughs> yeah, that's Not my happy loveliness. scary, just something, like, happy to distract you. When there's needles, uh, you don't want to jump. Yeah, I also have sometimes read. I'm not, like, the biggest reader ever, and... It's better now, but even just physically holding a book was painful for me sometimes. Um, but when I was feeling better, like sometimes I've I would read books, and a few wonderful people have given me books to try to you know distract me. So thank you everybody who did that. Any favorites? Uh, <laughs> uh gosh, my brain fog. Here. Oh no worries, I am. <laughs> I read a trilogy. It was Jessica Park, I think, is the author. Um. Flat Out Love, that's what it was Ooh. called. So there's like a little series. So that was just like a light reading one. So I tend to go from either like light, easy reading, um, even like adult or like young adult novels. Oh my um, gosh, yes. It's been my newest earth. discovery. Like they are so much more fun and They're imaginative. Easy. <laughs> Carnival might be one of my favorite books of the year. I was, and uh, The Lie Tree were like, this is meant for like, I immediately bought them for my nieces. I was like, uh, this is everything. <laughs> yeah, that, I think I'm butchering the title. Um, the School for Peculiar yes. Children. What, what is it called? Oh, Miss Pettigrew's School for oh. Yeah, yeah, that one. That's yeah, a, good a good movie, too. <laughs> it's really fun to have a conversation with two brain fogs going on. I've always impressed that well, people are like, I'm going to listen to a podcast with a total spoonie who is on enough opioids to cross her own opioid crisis, who's going to talk to other people who have fibro fog and mental <laughs> lapses. This will be a great hour of listening. Thank you yeah. so much for being willing to listen to <laughs> brain fog. <laughs> That probably would be the best title for the podcast. Brain fog might, might be a loser on that one. <laughs> no, I have to agree. Like, it's so great to like find like the young adult fantasy because it's such like a an escape from the world in an easy one. Yeah. 
Right. And then like, I'm not the fastest reader. So those I'm like flying through. I'm like, wow, I read a whole chapter. <laughs> I am so clever. <laughs> like seventh grade reading level. Well, I read it. Wow. Look at me. Pat on my back. <laughs> well, for like the, uh, just a quick, like if you are having trouble holding books and you can hold an iPad, there's some great apps. And my favorite one is Libby. And it's um, because I don't like to spend money because I'm on disability. So <laughs> that's a library card. So if you have a library card in the United States, and maybe outside the United States, but it works, you can download um, audiobooks and regular books and read on if you're willing to read on e-read. I know it's not cool. But it's the only way I can read anything heavier than 100 pages. So it's like, and it's great at one o'clock in the morning when my husband's asleep and I rolled over and dislocated something. I can borrow a book and <laughs> read. Gosh. So we have dogs, books, incredible TV shows of all sorts of varieties. <laughs> and then like random stuff around that. I'm sure anybody who's at home for a little bit, like, when your days that are like your better days, I want to try to be helpful. Maybe I can clean half the bathroom before I have to go sit down. Or maybe I can like start a load of laundry or like wipe the counters in the kitchen. <laughs> so I try to do a little bit of stuff and kind of consider that physical therapy. Like, oh, I was standing for 10 minutes wiping the counter and fridge all right now I gotta go sit down with like something again see I'm like all propped up and stuff because my neck and back muscles hurt a lot like it's hard for me to sit up oh my right. god I can't imagine the spasming you deal with like you've discovered yeah. the marijuana rub right the CBD oil rub yes yes oh good uh, one of your other wonderful listeners Jen Hine who turned hey, me on Jen, we miss podcast. you <laughs> God, I love that woman. She is like the sweet. She will text me every like month or so. How are you doing? Are you getting out of the house? Is are you getting like anyone chatting with you? I know you get lonely, so God, I love you. Yeah, what a sweetheart. She actually, I worked with her sister. She used to live near me down in San Diego, and I knew her sister from work, and we became friends. And then she's like, "Oh, you want to hang out with my sister? Sure." And so we started becoming friends. But then she moved away, and I was like, "Oh man, Darn. I liked her." And we kind of lost touch, you know, social media a little bits, but kind of lost touch. But then with social media, I saw her. Um, you know, health things going on. And yeah. then when I had my health thing, I was like, who do I talk to? And then I was like, oh, would it be weird to like reach out? Sweetest food in months, but <laughs> I hear we are both chronically ill. Like, any advice? <laughs> like, can I, like, what? <laughs> Just somebody to cry to? And, you know, don't get me wrong, my family and friends are wonderful, but for those of them who have never been through anything, like, all they can do is like, I'm sorry, that sucks. You know, how can I help? But they don't really understand. So she's been a, a really good help of someone who like, oh, you actually understand the emotions that I'm going through. And even though her disorder is different than mine, you still understand the pain and the doctor's appointments and having to stop working and all those things. So being able to have people like that and support groups online have been a big help as well. 
I don't know about you, but it sometimes helps having someone who's, like, a step removed because, like, or even some people in my life, like my father, who knows chronic pain very well, mm-hmm. I get the sense of I'm breaking his heart and upsetting him when I'm telling him how much pain I'm in, or if I'm talking to, like, someone who's a friend or, like, someone online, I feel like I can really open up without worrying about their feelings about, and making them feel okay with my pain. Like, I don't have that responsibility if it's someone who's not, like, my immediate circle. Yeah, and having to explain it all the time. Oh, like, God. <laughs> everything that's hard is, like, you know, your everyday friends, oh, do you guys want to come out to dinner for with us? And it's like, um, I'll let you know that day how I'm feeling. If it's a better day, and not even that day, like the hour before. <laughs> I usually do better in the morning, so I'm glad we're doing this in the morning. I usually that's have why we do this in the morning. <laughs> energy in the mornings. And then by afternoon, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> It's like, do I even have spoons uh, like dinner, for the conversation? Like, maybe on the weekend we can go to brunch. Mm, yes. That's a five minute drive. Or like, Even my husband has gotten somewhere where he's not, at least he doesn't tell me he's mad or upset about this, but he knows when he gets home and I am like focused on the computer screen and there's like dead focus. It's because I can't even have the spoons to have a conversation. And he just like gives me a kiss and like, do you need anything? Just thumbs up or thumbs down. You're like, so sweet. We've gotten to this like point of like, it's not an insult anymore. It's like, I don't have spoons for a conversation. Like that's beyond yeah. me right now. I can't explain to you what's wrong. Yeah. I mean, I don't think people understand like just socializing is tiring. Oh God. They're like, well, what we're doing is like sitting at the table hanging out. <laughs> like, yeah. But sitting up straight with my legs down, that's actually a very, having your knees like bent at a 90 degrees is very painful because my kidney is right there and everything's recovering. So like just sitting up straight and you know, if I don't have a back having to sit up, like that's exercise for me with muscles that are a wreck right now. So yeah that's tiring and I'm going to be exhausted. I mean, even just a little while ago, um, we had friends over and it was very nice to see everybody, but I was exhausted that night. And the whole next day I was in so much pain and so exhausted that my husband and I had plans for that night. And I had to cancel on him and tell him to take another friend because I just, I couldn't go. I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't, I mean, my heating pad is also my best friend. It's always right with me. I'm going to, actually, I'm getting a little sore, so I'm going to turn it on oh, now. please do. And if you have to stop, let me know. I, I would be the last person to be offended. But no, you, it's okay. You do know a Spoonie's bedside table. If beside their bed there is water for pills, a yeah. pharmacy, <laughs> and a heating pad. Oh, I have the 44-ounce like ounce one because I can't actually get out to get water anymore, and my daughter homeschools on the other side of the house, so yelling for, like, <laughs> I feel like so, like, <laughs> right? Like, I feel like so, so, like, Victorian novel where my poor daughter is like, mother, do you need something? Like, <laughs> God, poor kid. <laughs> but, yeah, I think every Spoonie has their, their um, heating pad beside them but explaining to healthy people why you have to cancel five minutes before it's like you know your real friends so fast when like I have a friend who's like got their birthday camping trip and she made these plans three months ago with me where I was like remember (laughs) I might cancel as you drive up to my house like that might be with a dog I have giant hundred pound wolf who will decide I really don't want you to leave today and he goes sliding into my legs which with Eller Stainless means Four dislocations minimum. So, like, just understand that part of it. And I was like, yep, I had, I went to physical therapy yesterday. She's like, I don't even want you out of bed for the week. So, it was like rib dislocation, femur, tibia. So, it's like, nope, I have to cancel this 
you know, going out with my friend for her birthday. And like, there's just big plans. Like there's weddings you will miss. There are funerals you will miss. There are big events that you just can't get to. It's like trying to explain that when they're like, but I saw on Facebook, you went out yesterday. (laughs) You're like, ah, yeah. So I'm wiped out. (laughs) That's why I can't move today. Yesterday. So no, (laughs) no, it's like, if you're, you know, like you and I probably don't look like people that would go, Oh my gosh, get that person a chair immediately. And when you go out without like your props of your cane, your walker or your wheelchair, and you walk into a restaurant where it's like, I have to sit down now because <laughs> I don't have my stuff with me. And they're just looking at like, what? Why? Why can't you sit in the bar where we have seating? It's like, because yeah. it's a bar stool. stool. stools with no back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that should be fine. Why? Why would that be a problem? Core muscles activate. <laughs> so it's just wild. Yeah. Like, it's almost like I, I feel like I should absolutely have something with me no matter. Well, now it's, it's not even an option. I have to be in a wheelchair. But before I would be like, I could probably get by without my canes. I'm only going like five steps in, five steps out, but just to make sure that, you know, no one, like, it's also a safety issue keeping people, like, at a distance. Like, don't knock me over. Like, don't bump into me. You bump into me, my shoulder's going to dislocate. It's like... Literally and figuratively, it's a crutch. Right? It almost makes you miss the days of the bustle and the hoop skirt, where you're like, I want personal space right now. (laughs) Right. And I find myself... Um, I don't need a cane and stuff as much like you were, you're saying, especially if it's a short distance, but sometimes I'm like, no, I want to have it. So people see there's something wrong, like maybe they'll offer to open the door for me in that case, or, you know, like stay aside (laughs) for me a little bit or, you know, and I also find myself, um, like protecting my core, like like, kind of putting my arms almost like a little bubble around, like, don't bump into me. Don't touch me. You're going to hurt me. You're going to cause a flare. Uh, And I also wear an abdominal binder. Are you dislocating while we're Yes. (laughs) I'm sorry. There's been comments on the the website that cracked me up and it's not for a rude reason, but people are like, you're laughing. And she just said something horrible. What kind of horrible human are you? I'm like... (laughs) Laughing is my pain reflex. So yes, you can tell me your mother just died. And if I dislocate when you said that, I will laugh because it is my way of covering it up. It's so I don't scream, which all of you who have said my laughing annoys you, believe me, my (laughs) screaming will annoy you so much more. So please deal with the shrieky laughter. I'm doing my best. (laughs) But yes, totally dislocating my shoulder. Everybody needs a coping mechanism. (laughs) We all need to cope, don't we? (laughs) Yes, that was uh, the second one through the podcast. So doing yeah, great right now. I earlier and I was like, uh-oh. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, you should see Kira. Kira's comes over and does these with me and he's like, his eyes, he'll watch the tibia come right out. He's like, do we stop? No, <laughs> we're finishing we're this. <laughs> it's a point of pride now. This is going to end as it was supposed to end. <laughs> yes, sorry, off track. <laughs> Yeah. Just like daily life struggle. I don't think people understand how much you have to think about. Okay, my friend has a party this weekend. I want to try to get there. Okay, I need to take my meds. I need to rest. I need to do this. What kind of, for me, clothing has been really hard. Oh my I God. Wear, like most of my clothes, anything in the whole abdominal, stomach, lower leg, yeah, upper leg area. I'm thinking you're going to go sister wives with like the big smock <laughs> things. And- yeah. When it was warm, it was just dresses because I couldn't have anything with like a waistband oh. or buttons or zipper. Um, then it, it got cold. I'm like, crap, what do I do? So I bought maternity pants. 
I had a very kind friend offer me maternity pants to try, and then I bought two more because they have a nice, big, stretchy band. So when I'm swell, by the end of the night, I get pretty swollen, and I look like I'm five or six months pregnant. <sighs> so maternity pants when it's cold, or just like pants that are too big for me. <laughs> so the waistband's really loose, and you know, very soft shirts, loose stuff. Uh, so everyone all- forgets like the wheelchair changes what you can wear too. Yeah. It's like, you don't want to be in a short skirt in a wheelchair. <laughs> that is a show and a half. I mean, Paris Hilton, eat your heart out. Because... I mean, maybe you do. I'm looking for a date or something. But... I, I was going with, like, you wear jeans, and, like, your jeans are, like, halfway down your hips by the time your day is done, or, like, your skirt gets, like, wrapped up. I didn't even... I, I pretty much feel after having two children, like, the upper thigh area is not something I am overjoyed to have on display. So short skirts have not been a part of my wardrobe for about as long as you could probably imagine. <laughs> that wasn't even there in my head. But, like, it's just amazing how, like, if you're wearing, like, even yoga pants in a wheelchair, they just keep, like, coming off. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. I mean, then, like, everything is just tough. You really have to think about it and then thinking about everything is tiring so you're wasting your spoons being like all right I gotta go out I have I have like a pretty big purse I'm not a mom but I look like a mom do I have my water with me because my meds make me thirsty and I get dizzy okay I have a snack with me because I might pass out if my blood pressure gets too low which it does a lot uh do I have my meds with me okay I need them at two or yeah I'm gonna be out let me take my whole grandma pill thing you know oh my god I mean, just like yeah. planning around your medication is like requires right. at least 50 spoons of like tactical planning of, okay, I'm going to take this, which will make me sleepy. So I need to take, I need to eat something with it and I need to plan the rest of my night around. Does anyone need me to actually concentrate? And right. <laughs> like right. there is so much planning around that. It's unreal. Oh my gosh. We've been in an hour and you poor thing. You've been like sitting up and... <laughs> I'm so impressed with you. (laughs) And you're on my side table. I have this like cool swivel side table. Um, Something I feel bad about is like how much money I've spent with all my devices to help. But this has been a really, really good one. Little like swivelly side table thing. So I was able to just sit against my my bed here. (laughs) If you have a link for that side table, send it on over. And if you want to come back on and discuss... Guilt and money as a um, yeah. as a panel discussion. Please send me an email after this, and we will schedule a like oh, I definitely discussion will. because God, that's thing. a huge thing. <laughs> like the amount of money we spend on on meds, on doctor's appointments, and then on like a bracing. I think I spent at least a thousand dollars on braces that don't work. It's <laughs> yeah, finding stuff that heat. I I think I have every type of heating pad possible because for me, heat helps my pain, not cold heat. So I have like every type of heating pad in different rooms. Oh, if I'm sitting on the couch, I have that heating pad and I have this heating pad yes. in my bed. <laughs> and I have a travel heating pad in case we're in the car. Oh my gosh. Tables, walkers, wheelchairs. I mean, you name it, the stuff that I mean, I've spent a whole page, month's paycheck worth on devices just to be comfortable. Quote unquote. Oh, well, on the blog, I just did an article because I, um, my physical therapist has a thing called an H-wave and it would short circuit my pain. And I mean, a femur dislocation, it would short circuit the pain. It would stop without any meds. I just wouldn't feel the pain. And I'm like, 
this magic must be mine, and that magic cost $2,000. So I just spent $2,000 on this, which was like a lot of scrambling and transferring money around so that I could have this, but it's amazing what you spend have to spend like tremendous amounts of money on to you know, get through your day. It's crazy. Yeah. So we will do a panel on this. And oh, I would love that. <sighs> thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm thank so you. happy to get to chat with you for this time. Yeah, it's been really fun. <laughs> so, this has been a blast. I really appreciate it. Um, everyone, if you want to do something really nice for the podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts, still the nicest place to do this. Give us stars, say nice things about us. If you're going to say mean things, remember, I am kind of a person. I do have two feelings left. Don't step on them. At least do it constructively. Be nice. Uh, share, please share this episode. I mean, we're talking about a rare disorder, which is like, needs some serious focus on and kidney issues definitely need a lot of focus. So please share this with friends, families, support groups. Um, that'd be super helpful. Have a great week and be kind, be gentle and be a badass.